Hello, and welcome to the Sound Up Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Cartwright, joined as always by my co-host, John Carey. And we are here today to bring you some lovely, lovely Seattle sports news. Um, We're going to break down the Kraken's recent stretch um, since we last talked. We're going to talk a lot of football, a little NFL, Seahawks action, and uh, as always, our value dogs. And then we're going to get into some some Huskies football talk and maybe, maybe just a little Cougars if we're feeling lucky. (laughs) Uh, Sounds good. But before we start, a little Coyote Picnic. All right, why don't we get started with a little discussion on our own hometown, Seattle Kraken. Now, still not the start to the year that we were hoping for, but we've seen a nice little turnaround from our previous discussion. When we left you, our lovely viewers, the Kraken were 0-3-1, which is a fancy European way of saying 0-4. I don't believe in lost ties, but... Anyway, since that time, the Kraken have gone on to win two of their last three. Now, the competition has not been the most stiff. We've played the Hurricanes, the Rangers, and the Red Wings, um, and allowed four goals in each game. Uh, we'll have a little bit to talk about there. But the big note is a much healthier offensive output. After scoring a combined three goals in our first four games, uh, we have rallied to score 13 goals in our last three. John just did that math in his head. He hadn't done that math beforehand. They don't give these degrees away, people. (laughs) I had to earn that. Um, Anyway, yeah, we're talking about a 7-4 walloping of the Hurricanes, a 4-1 loss to the Rangers, and a 5-4 thrilling comeback victory against the Detroit Red Wings, which uh, might be a little less less fun than it sounds. but before we get too into the nitty gritty, what are your what are your thoughts? How are you feeling? Two, four, and one. Here we are. You know, after after watching this team towards the end of last season, we were getting into the playoffs and all that stuff. I was like, okay, the, this Kraken team is good. I can I can look forward to these next couple of years of us being good and continuing to fight for those playoff spots. Um, and we mentioned last week that we thought that this team could make a playoff at least playoff push to to make it, not necessarily go for, you know, first place in the Pacific division or anything like that. Um, I'm kind of out on that, on that thought process. Mm. Vegas is seven and oh right now. Vegas has seven wins and zero losses, which they're head and shoulders above everybody else. Yeah, there's that. Vancouver's four and two and the Kings are three and two. So we're technically tied for fourth in the Pacific division. And I just don't I don't see a way for us to really bust through that into that top tier of teams in the NHL. Um we've got a lot of injuries kind of stacking up. Who was the one? It was Burakovsky, I think he got injured. Burakovsky. Um, uh last week after we talked. I don't remember exactly what day, but he's out for a little while. Um Tanev has been out since that first game and is still looking a little shaky. Um and yeah, things are just not not coming together. We're still kind of figuring out the goalkeepers, as John alluded to uh, earlier. And yeah, I'm just I'm just not as confident, John. And I I would like you to pick me up out of the doldrums, but I need I need some I need some help here. Yes, um, come here, sweet child. Let me <laughs> let me pick you up in my big strong arms. Um, we're seven games into the season. Uh, Fair. This is a very long season. This happens to me. Every time the Suns start out rough in the NBA, you know, I throw in the towel. I say it's over. The first 10 games, you know, obviously it's important. And every game we lose will make it harder to jostle for the standing positions that we want. And, you know, while I don't put too much stock in the first 10 games, if a team goes 10-0 and 0 in those first 10 games, I do put great stock in that. So the Golden Knights are a menace. Um I don't really want to think about them. I would like to make that tomorrow's problem. But in terms of the rest of this division, we've seen in these last three games, I mean, our offensive output to start 
those first four games. It was nothing. It was meaningless. It was trash. Um, we've seen two pretty inspired offensive performances ranged, you know, in between one more bad one, but, uh, we're seeing this team's offensive output start to pick up. This team's strength was never its defense. Um, we are, we always, where we got last year, we got because of our ability to score goals. Where we got last year was our ability to lead the NHL in five on five scoring. Um, and we're starting to see a little more of that cohesion come back in these most recent games. Now, you're right. Where we started the year, we were talking about, much like with our Mariners, um, we were talking about fighting for full pole position. And I no longer think that that's realistic. But we see crazy stuff happen every year, especially in hockey. Gosh, look at last year. Remember the start the Bruins got off to? They looked unbeatable. They looked unbeatable all the way to the playoffs, where they promptly got their butts kicked. Um, so, you know, the Golden Knights are a problem for another day. If we're lucky, they'll trip over themselves and fall flat before we ever have to play them in a potential playoff. Um, I'm just worried about getting there. Two, four, and one. You know, we're winning 67% of our games over the last three. That's not <laughs> statistically significant, but it's better than how we started. So as long as we continue to see positive progress in that direction, I'll, you know, I'm not, I'm not throwing in the towel yet. I still like this team. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was, I was leaning more towards agreeing with you, but the fact that we put up seven and five and in, in two of the last three, um, that's really encouraging because I think, you know, everyone wants their hockey team to be a really good defensive hockey team, and I just don't think it's who we are. Um, I want to take a minute at this kind of a good uh, moment to introduce a character that our listeners will not be familiar with because we weren't very familiar with him, but we should be, um, and that person is Joey D'Accord. Um, Sounds he- French. <laughs> Vaguely. Um, he is our second string goalie behind Grubauer. Um, he has not played a ton for us, but he's been here ever since the team expanded. Mm-hmm. Um, played three games so far this year for us, which we'll talk about in a minute, but only played five games each of the last two seasons. So not a guy that's been getting a ton of time on the ice. The reason we're not familiar with him, but he has been getting run here early in the season. Him and Grubauer have basically been going back and forth in terms of who gets the start. That's not crazy. Oh, that's how a lot of teams do it, particularly early in the regular season. They'll do that to rest Grubauer throughout the season. Ramp up the bodies, things like that. Correct. We don't make the same person play goalie 84 times in a given year. That'd just be brutal on the body. Um, but, you know, we were still figuring stuff out last year. So if any of our fans are as ignorant as us, Keep your eyes open, not just for our beloved Grubauer, but also for, not newcomer, but old head, Joey Decord. Um, <laughs> and the reason I bring that up is because I just think it's funny. In our last four games, they've alternated starts. Joey, Grubauer, Joey, Grubauer. And they've each allowed four goals in each of their two games. So <laughs> very consistent play from uh, our goalie position. Um, and maybe... Just the kind of play we're going to have to deal with. Now, obviously, allowing teams to score four goals a game is not sustainable. But we can, we've can we seen that we can win on offensive output, and I think we need to come to terms with the fact that one-goal games for the opposition is not going to be the norm. Yeah, I would agree. And to that point, and we're, we're not sure. We haven't been watching these these games as closely as we would like to because – we have other things going on, but when we get a 5-4 win and a 7-4 win in those Decord games, it does make it seem like those are those are our goal-scoring games, and there might be something there with the fact that the goalie is either icing the puck or catching the puck and allowing our team to reset and get a forward momentum instead of just like blocking it and allowing the other team to get a rebound or things of that nature. Well, I was so going to say, it could, it could even be the opposite. It could be that he, instead of icing it, is getting it to our defensemen to move up the ice quicker to jumpstart some opportunities. Yeah. Like, like you said, neither one of us have watched either one of these games very closely. I did watch the end of the Red Wings game last night, but um, it is interesting. You noted this, that, yeah, 12 goals by our offense in the last two Decord starts versus two goals by our offense in the last two group hour starts. 
There has to be something there, you know? Uh, maybe. I I think there's a chance that that's just bad luck. Um, just some outlier game. Yeah. That's but, fair. But, it, that, you know, it's something to keep our eyes on. And if, and if that is the case, then I hope Grubauer picks it up and understands what he needs to do better to help jumpstart this offense, which has needed it so far this year. Grubauer has also been off to a slow start. He has not been the man that, frankly, carried us through the first couple rounds of the playoff last year. Um, I'm not worried about him. He's a goalie. Yeah. It's a psychological position, and we're starting a long season. So I'm glad we're getting him rest. But, yeah, that is interesting. I'll be curious to see in this next game tomorrow against the Hurricanes how the offense performs. Yeah. Is our next game against the Hurricanes? Hopefully we can repeat that offensive output. Man. Correct. Hurricanes are a good team, too. I said our competition hasn't been that stiff. I was mostly talking about the Rangers and the Red Wings. Hurricanes are a a good team, so I was glad to see that win. Um, One thing I wanted to note, this was a a disturbing... No, no, I'm sorry. It was the, the reverse trend of our playoff run. You remember in that playoff run... We were always down one. We were always down one to start. Mm. We could not score the first goal of the game. Mm-hmm. But then we'd come back and take the lead, and then we'd jostle for a position. Um, in our two nice wins, 7-4, four, 5-4, four, we jumped out to 3-1 leads in both of those games um, before the other team would come storming back, and we would have to keep the pressure on to you know, keep it away from them. Um, Obviously not the worst thing in the world to have to defend a lead. But it is interesting that in both those games we allowed the opponents to come back. The Red Wings game last night, it was very thrilling. I came in when we were down, you know, 4-3, to three, and I see us tie it up and then win in overtime, and I'm like, oh, what a comeback. We, we blew a 3-1 lead to get there. <laughs> Hockey is a, is a game of intensity, I feel like. If you get a lead, it's not, you know, it's not like basketball where there's back and forth scoring. It's like if you get a lead, you can and you take your foot off the gas at all, it's actually kind of like football in that way. Like a team gets up 28 to 14, they're not trying as hard on defense. They're more more likely to give, likely to up. give up a score. Yeah, That is interesting, yeah. And and yeah, not like basketball, but also like basketball in that I do feel like it's a game of runs. Yeah, you know? yeah very not, fair. Not uncommon at all to see one team score two and then the other team score two. Yeah. I feel like it's more rare to see a back-to-back-to-back. Um, just seems to be how it works. Um, but anyway, that's... The update on the Kraken, getting back into it. We hope you're enjoying. Hey, how squids? You, how do you eat an elephant? <laughs> One bite at a time, baby. <laughs> All right, John. Next up, we've got some lovely, lovely Seahawks discussion mm. that we are hoping can stay positive as this, uh, as last week wasn't wasn't the outcome we were looking for. Um, yeah, I'm feeling positive. How do you want to break it down? I'm feeling very positive. This was a great, great week. Um, we were playing the Cardinals, who are 1-6. Their one win is against the Dallas Cowboys, and I think that's hilarious. Um, and, you know, I would I, I would chalk this week up to a, a, a old Belichick, you know, what do you call that? An old Belichick idiom? No. Idiom seems right. Yeah. A- aphorism? Um, Aphorism. Oh my God, John. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, they're not giving these things away. Um, do your job. Do your job. Playing a one and six Cardinals team that is trying to sweep Kyler Murray out the door. Um, this should be a win. We took the lead. We held on to the lead. We defended the lead. We did it without DK Metcalf. We can talk a little bit about who stepped up there. Um, but I was just really happy with the game. It, you know, was sometimes close, but never felt close. It felt like we were in control, and we took care of business. Twenty ten. Yeah, I think um, my main thing was seeing the rookies get involved. Was JSN was with a touchdown, and Jake Bobo with a touchdown, and mm. Jake Bobo's touchdown was mm. crazy. I don't know if you saw the clips of that one. Don't tease me. Oh my god, his he he looked like Tyler Lockett out there with his feet, maybe even better um, in terms of keeping him in the end zone. But I would agree. I think. My main concern was we didn't get as as many points as I thought we could get on this Arizona Cardinals team. Like I think the offense was a little stagnant, and I think what we're seeing is this defense is amazing. It is one of the best defenses in the league. Um, yeah, I'm still saying it. I know you thought I was wrong early, but I'm coming back to it. I'm, I'm <laughs> gonna I'm gonna go ahead and let you have that one all to yourself. I like this defense. They're young. They're hungry. Talking about the rookies. Witherspoon with another great game, four tackles, really aggressive. I love this kid. 
Um, nice to see Jamal Adams back and healthy, getting things done. Jordan Brooks leading the way. Our D-line was getting good pressure on uh, we were. Dobbs? We were. They scored 10 points, and yeah, it was a it was a struggle for them all game. Um, I guess, yeah, Joshua Dobbs. You know what Dobbs was doing? He couldn't do much, but he was getting it done on the ground. Seven rushes for 43 yards and a touchdown. For he did find those gaps, yeah. Quarterback Josh Dobbs. But we let him have what they could have. Um, yeah, defense has been playing great recently. I... I'm not sure I'd put it top in the NFL. I'm not sure I'd put it top three. I'm I'm not saying it's one of the best ones, but like I said, you just it, said it was said one it, of the best ones. I said ones. at the start of the season, I said top ten defense. I I can get behind that. Yeah, I can get behind that. I think this the way they're playing. This is a top ten defense. I think uh, Pete's got him whipped into shape. Um, but yeah, I guess the story. You know, not necessarily surprising to see us hold this team to ten points. The story is more on the offensive side. Twenty points little less than we would have liked against a team that's actively trying to lose, hypothetically. Um, but I think we could really tell that Gino was missing DK. Um, and it's kind of strange just because DK, you know, he's just not your prototypical, like, safety valve receiver. He's he's a very one-of-one one receiver. There's not a lot of good comparisons for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could just really tell the way that Gino was spreading the ball around today that he didn't feel super comfortable getting it to any one guy. Um, the three that led the way were definitely Smith, Bobo, and Lockett, four receptions each. Um, we can get super excited for the rookies. Great for both of them. Smith and Jigba, his first touchdown of the year, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly his highest reception yards, four receptions for 63. Um, yeah, getting involved in just a more dynamic way. Love to see him get better and better the last three weeks. Uh, we were a little not worried about him. We were worried about fantasy him. We weren't worried about actual him. Um, but it's cool to see him getting more involved in this offense. And in my mind, kind of grabbing onto that number two role, uh, I would also like to take this opportunity to apologize to Mr. Jake Pobo. Um, we mocked him slightly. We said he wasn't going to play at all. Going into the year, we were talking about how deep this receiving team was and that he didn't have a place. And... He's been shutting me the hell up these last couple of weeks. He's been getting really involved. Um, he kind of strikes me as a Pukanukua type, obviously both rookies, but just like I can't really tell you what he's amazing at. And he's got I good hands. I totally agree, yeah. I, I don't know why he's so effective in what, he, in what he's doing. He's kind of just running running the Tyler Lockett kind of routes, I yeah, think. Yeah. Um, and he's just getting open. But and he's not that Smith's fast. It's, yeah, it's interesting. But he had an almost identical stat line to Smith. And then Lockett, four receptions for 38 yards. He has been he has been fading like a dying star these last couple of weeks. Um, and I, I, do, I do think, once again, I'm still optimistic about this receiving room. I think DK's firmly got that number one spot and Smith's stepping up into that number two slot. I'm not, yeah, Lockett, Lockett is not, we had a certain perception of Tyler Lockett these last couple of years, and I do not think he is that guy anymore. I will agree with you. I don't think he's that guy. What I will say is this was the week that it was JSN's opportunity to step up into that, hey, this is, DK's out, Tyler's going to take a step back, we're playing the Cardinals. This is not a good team. Let's get you, let's get Bobo involved, and so you guys can kind of get your reps in at an NFL speed. Um practicing against the Cardinals. Love to see yeah, exactly. Just a little practice squad game. Um, and I think Tyler Lockett, he's, you know, early on in the season, he was getting a hundred yard games. Um, I think he had one or two, but definitely had, one. Definitely had more targets um, earlier in the season. And it's just like you were saying, slowly faded, but I think JSN is working his way into that role that we were expecting him to. And uh, Gino needed to build up that relationship with him, that rapport over the overtime, and I think this was the game that did that. Even though he only had four receptions on seven targets, yeah, last, like Gino was throwing him the ball. Last game, same thing. His his reception yards per game have been increasing each time, and it's not it's not about the number of receptions. It's about the air yards. That's where you see the trust between a quarterback and a receiver. Is you know, are you willing to do something more than throw it directly into his chest at the line of scrimmage? You know, um, and that's what we've been seeing these last couple weeks, and that's what I think is really encouraging. Um, but yeah, oh, another thing to note, obviously we knew we were going to be without DK. We threw the ball 24 times. Kenneth Walker had a very solid game, 26 carries for 105 yards. 
another reason that we're only seeing 20 points on the scoreboard. Yeah, pretty minimal offense. Yes, we scored first, and we were controlling the pace from that point on, eking out the win. Um, So good game planning by the coaches. Uh, Very important to get up to 4-2. and Once again, we've talked at length about, you know, what the Seahawks are looking down the barrel at, um, and let's just say it's it's approaching fast. Um, we're four and two now. Browns upcoming. Seahawks are currently favored in that game. Deshaun Watson is not playing. Oof, I'm nervous about that one. That, that defense. That is, defensive line is crazy. We know what the best defense in the NFL is, and it's the Cleveland Browns. They have the best defense in the NFL. So that will be a unique test. Hopefully DK is back and healthy, um, and that will be – Gino's biggest test on the year. This might be like the Gino game for me this season where I just need to see something out of him. I don't need 300 yards and three touchdowns. Can you give me 240 yards and a touchdown and no turnovers? Um, we will see. But then Browns, Ravens, Commanders should be a winnable one. Rams is winnable. Oof. Niners, Cowboys, Niners, Eagles. Oof. Um, yeah. I would love to get three wins out of the next seven games. Um, yeah. What I will say, so looking looking past next week, we'll get a little bit deeper discussion about the Browns game. Um, the Ravens just slaughtered the Lions. And, <laughs> and um, Lamar, I think... Lamar doing his best dentist impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> the last uh, the last few teams that have had a win like that against a team who was, you know, I feel like Vegas, that was, I want to talk about Vegas actually after this week. Not not the Vegas Raiders. I want to talk about the Vegas betting system. They had the Lions plus three and everybody was following that game. It was like yeah, the Ravens were up 14 and everybody was like, okay, Lions plus 20. Yeah. Okay, Bunch Lions plus 30. Bunch of dummies. They're done. The Lions were going to cover this. Bet. Bunch of morons. <laughs> um, but I think... The last couple of times that a team has been that a team has blown a team out in kind of teams that were both good, um, they've come back. And this was I'm referring to like a Bill Simmons podcast discussion that he had. They've come back the next week and not been as good. Uh, I think the Ravens are going to be good next week, but I'm really looking for that Seahawks defense to turn the Ravens on their head in a couple of weeks. And I, I like I'm that. looking forward to that game a lot. Witherspoon's got speed and aggression. I'd love to see him take it to Lamar, but yeah, that'll be a big one. These next two games are big because. They're two really solid opponents, but not the best opponents we're going to be playing up. Yeah, Yeah. like getting one out of those two would be huge, 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 huge. Mm -hmm. Um, Just an idea of the standings. We are currently uh, second in the NFC West. Technically, um, with same losses as the Niners. We both have two losses, one less win. Half game back. (laughs) Yes, half a game back. Well said. Um, And then overall... Yeah, half a game back on the Niners, or Niners, on the Lions, who lead the NFC North, and behind the Eagles, who are 6-1, and one, tied with the Cowboys. So, you know, we could be second in the NFC right now, you know, tied with the Lions and the Niners, hypothetically. I don't anticipate that being the case in six weeks. I don't know. Pur- Purdy's got a concussion. He's out this week. The, the, the Niners could be 5-3 and three I did after this weekend. That. Yeah, Niners, whew, Niners, that came apart quick. Um Gosh, I can't believe they lost. Wild. That was a crazy the that was a, game. That was a crazy game. Uh, we don't have to get into the fantasy implications of that. I'm still recovering. But, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I think a wild card is still well in hand, but yep. they, this this next stretch will be crucial. Any last thoughts on the Seahawks? Um, let's break down a little bit more into the Browns game. We, sure. kind, of, yeah. we kind of skirted around yeah, it. Yeah, why not? Um, so, we, we kind of mentioned it. Miles Garrett is a specimen. He's what, 285 and like 6'4", just like a rock rolling down the field. He is just so big and so fast and so strong. Surprised he didn't get steroid tested after last week too. Uh, (laughs) um, No, the thing with this Browns defense is I think we can throw the ball on them. I haven't really seen anything about their cornerbacks being anything good. Um, Their cornerbacks are solid, particularly Denzel Ward. I just I just haven't heard anything about them being amazing. You know, they're they're no Witherspoon in terms of like things that we hear about. Um, sure, a big part of that is the way they play. They, yeah, they they blitz a lot and they put a lot of pressure on the lines, and they can leave their cornerbacks hanging potentially on islands out there. Um, 
which may have been sorry. I cu- I'm cutting you off. I'm just just letting you go, man. I, I just know you're ready to argue with me, and I'm appreciative of I'm it. Always ready to argue. <laughs> um, no, I think this is going to be a good opportunity for Gino to have to get the ball out quick and work through those first one or two reads and just say, "Hey, I can I don't have anybody open. These cornerbacks are on, or these defensive line or the blitzers are on me." Let's get the ball to JSN at the at this five yard line and try and let him cook across the field instead of giving DK that time. Like I think this is going to be another big JSN game, um, and it's going to come down to how does how does Gino get JSN involved and is he able to read those blitzes versus a, a drop back out of the blitz um, a shown blitz? Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. That defensive line is such a menace. I just want to shout out Miles Garrett again. They played my Colts this last week in what was a wildly entertaining game that nobody expected to be entertaining. Colts showing that it is possible to put up points against this defense, yep. but in that game, Miles Garrett, seven tackles with two assists, two sacks, two forced fumbles, including setting up a fumble recovery for a touchdown, and a blocked field goal. Yeah. Jesus. He had a crazy game. I had the Cleveland Brown defense in fantasy. That was nice for me. Garrett, take it easy, my man. Um, but, but yeah, Andy still put up points. Minshew... A pick and three fumbles, but he still put up 305 and two touchdowns, and uh, the Colts were able to run the ball on him. My concern is that the Colts have a very good offensive line. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the only thing that they have that's really good. I was going to say Minshew's mobility helped the Colts a lot there, yes. and I just don't see Geno having that same yeah, capability. He's, he's got good pocket mobility. Geno is a little stiffer in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the Seattle offensive line has been struggling so much. I'm really worried that they're just going to be teeing off. Yeah. Um, I think in this game, if the Seahawks score 17, that's amazing. I think it's going to really be a test of ball control, not turning the ball over, punting a lot, forcing them, P.J. Walker, to drive down the field against this defense, and then how can this defense hold up? They're top 10 in the NFL. I'd love to see it this week. Um it's going to be a big test uh, if we allow them to score 39 points. No. I don't think the Seahawks offense is capable of scoring more than 30 points, to be honest. The good thing is our defense can hold teams to under 20. That's what we're dreaming of. Yeah. Seahawks, interesting team. Yeah, just like a top 10 defense and like a top 15 offense. and it's just What I would say is they're pretty Browns-like. Like the two teams are pretty similar. Browns have a number one defense. They're, they're, they're better like, in defense, but their offense isn't good. No, no, yeah, their offense is awful. Yeah, that's what I, they're like. The opposite. The Hawks are like fairly middling in both categories, and the Browns say, are like completely polarized. I don't know. I think when I think of actual like the defense, yes, the Browns defense is number one, and the Seahawks defense is number ten or whatever it is. But they're going to hold teams to fifteen points. Both both defenses are going to hold teams to fifteen to twenty points. Both offenses can't score more than 25 points in the game. Like I like our offense a lot more than theirs. I like our explosiveness of our offense, but generally we're not really... We've scored... What is, what, look at our, I'm going to look at our previous games real quick. Well, we scored 20 against the Cardinals. 20, 13, 24, <laughs> and then 37, 31, and 13. Uh, a couple of good ones in there, but you're right. You're right. It's been, it's been a mixed bag. Um, big on Gino. Gun Gino to see what happens. And the offensive line. Gosh, just sucks not having a good offensive line. Yeah. It sucks watching Gardner Minshew succeed behind a great offensive line and being like, do you see what's possible? Do you see? Um, anyway. Let's let's talk about our predictions for this game. Just just right quick. So matchup predictor obviously has the the Seahawks 56.7% chance to win. What do you think? Yeah, I disagree. I think I think the Browns are going to win, and I think the Browns are going to win handily. I think they're gonna handily. Win, yeah, I think they're going to win twenty four to twenty four ten. I think this game is going to be. Let me do quick math. Seventeen to thirteen. No. Fifteen to thirteen. Fifteen to thirteen. <laughs> wow, the rare fifteen call. Is that five field goals or is it? A touchdown and a two-point conversion, or is it... I'm thinking one touchdown, touchdown, no conversion or extra point, and three field goals. A touchdown... For the Seahawks. A touchdown, two field goals, and a safety. Let's go. (laughs) That's hilarious. Um, All right. Well, that's... uh, While we're guessing lines... Let's move forward uh, into it. Why don't we move into everyone's favorite part of the podcast, a little value dogs discussion. Yeah. So, just to summarize where we're at... Mm. After this 
previous week mm. where I went one and two and John went two and one. He's John, on a hot streak. Again. Again. Tell the people what I'm doing right now. <laughs> John is currently 11, six, and one. God damn, that is good stuff. If you had liquidated your assets for every one of John's bets, you would have five extra houses. Gosh, I can't believe you didn't liquidate your assets. I told <laughs> you to liquidate your assets. I can't believe our listeners are bad listeners. <laughs> Um, and I am eight and ten, so I'm nice sitting five hundred, creeping up towards five hundred. I yeah. love to see it. Um, so John's been John's been pretty good. If you if you are actually following our, our gambling advice in this value dog section, you might want to be following. You're John. welcome for all that cash. Is all I have to say. Um, in terms of the underdogs, we we've been summarizing this because of how it's felt or how it felt early on in the season, and it's continued. In that in that same way, underdogs are winning. Underdogs are winning games. When you're picking an underdog, you're picking a guy who's gonna win. It's so crazy. They just they're not covering. Underdogs lose. And you know the one team that did cover and lost was oh what's that? John's rancid dog from last week. <laughs> was that my Indianapolis Colts? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a tough one. We got robbed. We should have won that game anyway. Um, but yeah, every, it seems like every single underdog, they either don't cover and lose or they cover and win. It's it's kind of weird. Um, yeah. Just a weird fluky thing, but good for betters if they're taking advantage of it. Um, I want the first pick. Okay. I, I let you have the let first me, Let me give you a quick, quick numbers. Underdogs went eight and five last week against the spread, and they won seven of those games. Look at that. So seven of stats eight. Stats are continuing. Seven of eight. Go for it. Um, I want the first pick. Because I know that you don't want this game, and um, I just want to play my flag on it and claim it for myself. I want, you know, I want a team that just scored 38 points against the best defense in the NFL. Underdogs in New Orleans. Give me the Indianapolis Colts. Have you? Is there? Is there been a week you didn't take the Indianapolis Colts? (laughs) I didn't take them last. They were my rancid dog last week, and they they bit me in the ass. Um, no, I'm taking my Indiana Atlas Colts plus one and a half against the New Orleans Saints. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. The offense looked so nice last week. Taylor rounding back into form. Zach Moss still really solid. Offensive line pushing people around. Josh Downs turning into one of the best young receivers in the NFL and nobody's even noticing. That kid is a stud. Gardner Minshew doing just enough. Surviving in the pocket, throwing it downfield. Love Gardner. I said before the season started, Best backup quarterback in the NFL, and he's proven it with Anthony Richardson out on IR. And the defense is solid. And the Saints team sucks. They suck. They hate Derek Carr. Some of the quotes coming out of New Orleans, Chris Olave and Michael Thomas want Derek Carr to get hit by a bus. Chris Olave just got arrested. <laughs> oh, I didn't even hear that Chris Olave just got arrested. All the more reason to take the Colts plus one and a half. Their best receiver is incarcerated, and their quarterback is Hated by everyone. Um, their defense is solid, but give me the team that does it both ways. Yeah, i I saw this pick and or yeah, I saw this pick and immediately was like, yeah, John's taking that one. I know that. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna fade it just because I want to pick something else. But I can see all the signs pointing to yes. The problem, my only my only argument, I don't have I have a problem with this, but my argument is Gardner Minshew is not a great starting quarterback. He doesn't have the stats to prove that he's a great starting quarterback. Why would you say such things? Um, that's all it is. He doesn't. He doesn't win games that he starts. He wins games that he comes in after after people come out. But uh, when people have time to prepare for Minshew, it's it's not as great. Um, all that is to say, he scored thirty eight points, or they scored thirty eight points last week against what we just said was the best defense in the NFL. Miles so. Garrett couldn't slow him down. Barely broke a sweat. Yeah. That long, luscious hair and mustache really, <laughs> really helping him avoid Miles Garrett. Like um, I like the pick. I like the pick. I think you'll go one and zero on that one. So, with my first pick, I'm doing this week what I like to call the triple B draft. Mm. Um, with my first pick, I indicated it when predicting the score of this game earlier in the pod. I have the Browns plus three and a half mm. against the Seahawks. Um, I think it's either going to be a very, very close game or the Seahawks are not going to score. Hmm. And so in all that, in all that points too is uh Browns plus three and a half. Yeah. What I like about that too, is just based on the trend we've been talking about. If the Browns are within three and a half, they're winning the game. Yeah. yeah I just, I don't think there's any way the Seahawks win a close one against this defense, but uh, yeah, I guess I'm not sure there's a ton to say. We kind of just, yeah, talked we just about covered all that. Yeah. Um, all right. 
triple B draft. Well, good thing I don't want any of these stupid B teams. We're leaving them all for you. My second pick, a little controversial, but I actually really like it. Give me the Los Angeles Rams plus six and a half against the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys, the only team to wear the black mark of shame that is a loss to the Arizona Cardinals. (laughs) Um. Are they good? I don't. I'm not sure that they're good. Um, obviously, their strength is their defense. Their defense is still very solid. This Rams offense, though, it's got it's got kind of a unique trait to it. Um, it's not one of the best offenses in the NFL. It's a very solid, very serviceable NFL offense. You know, Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, Tutu Atwell, a receiver, nice and deep. Uh, Dar- Darnell Henderson did a good job stepping in for an inter- injured Kenneth. Kenneth Williams this week. Um, and Stafford's been looking better. So uh, there's nothing particularly special about the Rams' offense, but they are just kind of that offense that it doesn't seem like defenses can do anything to, where they just kind of like do their thing. They're going to score 21 points a game. Yeah, they're like, no, yeah, we're going to score between 21 and 27 today, and there's just like not much you can do about it. I don't know why. I don't understand it. Maybe it's the gravity of Cooper Cup or. Puka still being kind of an you know unidentified asset, but uh, I don't really think the Cowboys are going to be able to slow them down. And I just I can just taste the Dak Prescott late third quarter, early fourth quarter interceptions to help the Rams build that lead. Um, I think the Rams are going to win six and a half points. Come on, yeah, I like it. My my main thought was the reason that the Dallas defense is good is because of their line. And the reason that the Rams are good are because of their receivers and their receivers get open in the, in the short in like kind of the flat. Um, they're not running long routes. Cooper cups running curl routes and just catching it across, across the, um, across the field instead of going deep. Same with Puka Nakua. They're not going super deep and they're catching short routes. That's what Staff- tattoos for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stafford doesn't have to, you know, take a long time. Parsons isn't going to have time to get to him. Yeah. He's going to make, Short, quick throws and let the receivers do their jobs. Mm. Um, and I think they'll be within six and a half. I, it's tough to say they'll cover and not win because it's so hard to go against the stats. But I think it's going to be like a 21 to 27 game. Sure. And there's always that. They could always win or lose and still cover. So I like that bet. With my second pick, do we have, have we had all three seven picks that are not the same? It sounds like you don't have any B teams, so we're I'm, locked in. I'm not sure we have, at least not since like the first week or two. Yeah. Um, my second pick, I'm going to go with, oh man, I don't, I don't know why you didn't like this one, but I'm out on this team. We're both out on this team that they're playing. Uh, I have the Bears plus eight and a half against the Chargers. I looked at it. The I Bears are what now, two and five? The Chargers are two and five, and the Chargers can't beat anybody that seems any sort of with to have any sort of momentum. The Bears have momentum. They've won, I think, the last two weeks, isn't it? They beat the Commanders and they beat the. Uh, they lost to the Vikings in between. Oh, they lost to the Vikings the in between this last week. But they beat the Raiders by eighteen points this week. Yeah, they smacked the Raiders around. The Bears' um, offenses. The Bears' offenses looked decent, and the Chargers' offense has looked super bad. We were talk. I was talking last week about the Chiefs not being able to score more than 20 points in a game, and then they proceeded to score 37 or whatever it was against the Chargers. Yeah, Chargers have one of the worst defenses in the NFL. So um, Make it a little easier on DJ Moore there. Um, and their offense is so weird. So weird. They're supposed to be like the best offense in the NFL, one of the best, and they're just so... So mediocre. And so chaotic every week, where they'll be moving the ball and then stuff just happens. It's always so weird. Coaching's bad. Um, I don't dislike that bet at all. I think it's a lot of points. Eight and a half points? Yeah. They could lose by a touchdown and still cover that. Um, I think that's a good bet. I just, I'm not there yet, man. I'm not, I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to put anything behind the Bears yet. This is the week the NFL, NFL talking heads are going to, you know, give teabags the next, uh, the next Brock Purdy treatment and say he's the best quarterback of all time behind Tom Brady. Oh, that's funny. That is funny. Uh, no, yeah, that's a good one. I think I think you got a, a good shot there. For my third pick, I'm going back to the well again. A team that served me very well last week. People doubted me. People hated. My team didn't just cover. They won. And that is the New York football Giants. I like that one. I almost picked that one too. Giants, they're giant at covering the spread. I'll tell you what. They are plus two and a half. Plus three. 
against the New York Jets. Um, the Jets suck. They're, I shouldn't say that. They're three and three. Zach Wilson sucks. <laughs> Let me clarify. Their offense is pretty mediocre. Brees Hall's getting things going. He's probably the only exciting thing there. Garrett Wilson is hypothetically exciting, but the problem is somebody needs to throw him the ball, and that's been kind of an issue. Um, their defense is very solid. The Dolphin, uh, Dolphins, the <laughs> the Giants, man. Uh, Two they, opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah, they are. They just looked so electric last week. Their defense is good. Dayball can coach a defense. Um, What's funny is you say they looked electric last week. They won 14-7 to on two touchdowns in like three minutes. Yeah, but what an electric two touchdowns. They scored two touchdowns. They almost scored two touchdowns in the first half. They hadn't scored a touchdown in the first half all year, and they scored not just one, but almost another one, if it wasn't for some questionable decision-making down the stretch. Um Tyrod is just so much better at moving this offense than Daniel Jones is. I actually don't know if Daniel Jones is returning this week. He's questionable right now. I don't know how you could put him back in when Tyrod's just led you to, to two wins, or at least well, at least one win. Um, Saquon looks great. Saquon looks great. Not Saquon. <laughs> um, their receiver's looking good. Jalen Hyatt's getting more involved. Turns out when you have somebody that's willing to throw the ball deeper than 10 yards downfield. It's really helpful for your speedy young receivers. Tyrod's been doing a good job game managing, letting Saquon do the heavy lifting. Their defense has been playing well. The fact that they're plus points against this Jets team, which is just, it's just tough to look at with Zach Wilson out there. Um, I love it. And they just, they just won for me. So I owe it to them. I owe it to the Giants. Yeah. No, the, the Jets defense is good. And that's where I kind of held up my picking the, picking the Giants for my value dogs. Um, but no, Tyrod Taylor, the one thing that he has that Daniel Jones doesn't, and I was talking with my buddy about this over the weekend is he's willing to throw the ball into tight spaces. And Daniel Jones just isn't willing to do that. He's willing to sacrifice his body, but Tyrod Taylor's just like, Hey, if I see a guy who might be open, let's throw it. It might be an incompletion, but it's better to try and, you know, let those receivers make plays than to just Daniel Jones is just playing for himself and his stats. It feels like, and it's just. Not not a great look, honestly. It is not. He's got that big bag of money, though, so there's no stopping him now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like to pick. I that, That's why I didn't pick it was the, just the Jets defense holding up. They're um, good. That's a good good defensive unit to have over there. Yeah. With my third and final value dog of this week, the last B of the triple B section, as John spills water on himself. <laughs> It's an audio medium. You didn't have to say that. <laughs> Nobody would have known. Uh, I am going with the Bengals over the 49ers. Wow. Plus or not three over. And a half. Plus three and a half. Um, I said earlier, Brock Purdy's not starting this week. He's in, well, supposedly not starting this week. He's in concussion protocol right now. And uh, typically when people go through that, they don't play mm. when it's the first week of the concussion protocol. Um, McCaffrey, I think, is still out. Was it Debo who's, who's out or was it Ayuk? A Debo is still out. Debo's still McCaffrey out. played. Last McCaffrey week. played last week. Oh well, yeah, and I'm he surprised looked, they lost then, but he looked pretty sharp. Yeah, they just yeah, that was a that was a weird game, but yeah, uh, yeah I get it, I get it. They've lost two straight. Um, who's their Who's their backup quarterback? Whew. Yeah, not Trey Lance. <laughs> that's that's really the only reason I thought that. I think the Bengals will be able to move the ball. Um, they've got a good old offensive line and um jamar chase is not going to be as tightly covered as he was against the seahawks so you know he's going to get two touchdowns <laughs> <laughs> wasn't locked down by witherspoon um no I, I like that joe burrow is my concern they're coming back that's all i'm saying the Bengals are coming back i'm the biggest joe burrow like me and kid cuddy like share real estate on on burrow island um only the real ones know uh but as somebody that loves him dearly and has him in fantasy football, he has been a pretty big disappointment so far this year. Even when Chase had his awesome game, Burrow was not lighting things up by any means. So uh, I would be a little surprised if the week he uncorked was against this Niners defense. Um, but hey, yeah, you're getting a team that might not have its starting quarterback that's lost two straight games, and you're plus three and a half. You could lose by a field goal and still win. So I don't have anything against that. Yeah, I'm playing the three and a half lines so that I can get I can lose by a field goal and still win my bet. And I'm sure it'll work out that way. <laughs> it always does. Um, I have lost 
every single rancid dog pick so far. It's like the opposite of my stellar, really fantastic actual yeah, bets. Yeah, if you really want to win money, liquidate the assets against Jones' <laughs> rancid dogs. Right. And it's, it's been so bad that now I'm getting in my own head about it, or it's like, what am I not seeing? But I just, I can't think about it. I got to keep doing what I'm doing. If I lose every single one of these, that is a winning strategy. You just bet against me. Um, so I'm not going to change my thinking. I'm going to think just the same way that I did. And my rancid dog of the week is the Cardinals plus eight and a half against it's you, yeah, the Baltimore Ravens. It's like, yeah, we just talked about this coming off a huge win. The Cardinals are probably going to win by 17. I don't know, but the Ravens looked dominant on both sides of the football against a really good Detroit team. And this Cardinals team, once again, the players want to win, I'm sure. Management does not want them to win. So the idea that they're going to keep it close against a Ravens team that is very hot and has every reason to stay really engaged. They've got a tough schedule, too. They're fighting for that one seed in a very, very tough uh, AFC North. So I don't want anything to do with that game. But I'm probably, probably screwed, man. Probably screwed. I don't really have much to say about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say whatever I'm going to say, but I think your Grancy Dog's going to lose. Thanks, man. I appreciate appreciate the support. <laughs> All right. That'll close out this week's episode of, not the episode of the show, just don't the worry, episode. Don't worry. You, you'll see. There's still 25 minutes. Left. <laughs> you guys, I could tell. I could hear the fear in our listeners' voices. No, no, no. You're quivering. <laughs> just the episode of Value Dogs. Um, when we come back from the break, we're going to finish things off with a little UW football. And a little... Major League Baseball, perhaps? Oh, we'll see how we're feeling. Yeah. That was good. I feel like the energy's not as, as there today. We're doing what we can. Yeah. It's post-work. We didn't We didn't have, you know, a beer and a half. <laughs> That's what it is. God, I regret <laughs> not drinking. <laughs> All right, John. Uh, do you want to talk baseball? I really just... there's. Two things that I want to discuss about baseball real quick. And yeah, good, yeah, let's do little, that. Good little in-between some football segments. Before diving in, we have a lot to say on you, Dub. Um, Mariners players are mm. in the World Series. Mm. Paul Seawald mm. has played in eight games. He's pitched, I think, 11 innings, not allowed to run. Has Or no, eight innings, 11 strikeouts is what it is. Wow. He's got five or six saves now after yesterday. That's amazing. Um. Playing some of his best baseball I've ever seen him play. I fucking love Paul Seawald, man. No, and no, like, you know, no regrets. Happy for the guy. Yeah. Happy for the guy. It was, I still think in hindsight, I guess, yeah, in hindsight, maybe not the best deal for the Mariners, but it made sense at the time. It made sense. And I would, I would do that again. Like it made the team better. And you got to be happy for him. Yeah. So, so, so cool for him to be able to push on over a Phillies team that was, that looked so scary. Um, Schwarber just, Taking names out there. Yeah. Um, Cattell Marte, ex-Mariner, winning the NLCS MVP, which was really cool to see. Um, that he came one, over that in stung that, a little more. <laughs> he, he came over in that Mitch Hanniger trade, uh, Mitch Hanniger and Gene Segura trade. And I think, you know, the last couple of trades that we made with the Diamondbacks that have been pretty big have worked out for both teams. Mm-hmm. Gene Segura, we ended up trading for J.P. Crawford, the, the captain of our team. Like, Yeah, that's true. These these last couple of trades of the Diamondbacks have worked out both sides, and I think when you once you get to the playoffs, it's like it's a shit show. You know, no, nobody knows which team is going to win win the World Series, and so just getting there is the crucial key factor. Yes, and uh, you know, getting hot that at the right time points to something with the Mariners' philosophy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but really, really exciting for those guys. Kyle Lewis is on the D backs. Would love to see him get a ring. Yeah, I think I think it's fair to say we're rooting for the D backs in this World Series. Yeah. Even though it would make the Mariners look better if the Rangers won. Yes. Uh, yeah. Go D-backs. Go D-backs. Uh, you're really burying the lead, though. Bang, bang, the witch is dead. It's over. The Houston Astros. They'll never make a playoff again. Yeah. It's done. They're out of the league, actually. They're getting replaced with the Savannah Bananas. I don't know if you yeah, heard that. It's like a yeah, Champions League thing. Where they're, <laughs> yeah, they're out. They're out for being too horrible. Uh, no, they obviously played an awesome series with the Rangers. Um they probably only cheated a little bit the whole time, which I think was pretty admirable. Um, Jose Altuve continuing to be just so goddamn good at baseball. Ugh! I think this whole Astros thing, the whole cheating scandal, nothing pisses me off more about it than the fact that I 
love Jose Altuve, or I should say I loved him. And he's like this tiny little guy that is just breaking postseason records left and right. He's going to go down as one of the best postseason hitters in the history of the sport. And he's like 5'6", just incredible stuff. And I want to be able to root for him, but I can't. I can never root for him again because he's a dirty, filthy, disgusting cheater. Um, so anyway, he was very good, but they lost, and I was not sad to see them lose. And Dusty Baker's retiring, and obviously all the success they ever had was just due to Dusty's magic powers. Yeah, I can't say much else. We we hate the Astros. We're happy to see him go. And, uh, good for the Rangers. I, I do agree. Altuve... If if the cheating scandal had never been found out, he'd be the most he'd be like the Steph Curry of baseball. Yeah, like, I really think so. Um, talk about a guy that anybody can look at and be like, why can't I be like him? You know, yeah. but but we can't be like him because we have working consciences, and morals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, anything else before we move on to a little uh, UW football? No, just a good for good for the AL West. Good showing. Yeah, they, really good showing for the AL West. ALCS was owned by the AL West. Um, yeah, everybody was all, all in on the AL East, but screw that. Once again, the AL East disappoints in the playoffs. When are you guys going to learn? When are you going to get it? Um, but yeah, when we come back, you dub baseball. Why are we taking breaks? I don't know. We. I was just going to say, let's just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Who's like, was it today? Take a break. We're pushing on. No. Breaks. John needed a moment to regroup. Um, no. Yeah. Let's 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 dive in. Uh, <laughs> Do we have do we have to talk about that ASU game? Actually, we're just going to call the episode here. Um, <laughs> talk to you guys next week. You dub Arizona State in easily the most frustrating and annoying and disappointing outing of U Dub's season so far. A fifteen to seven win that could have easily been a loss and would have been the single biggest upset in college football this season if it had occurred. Yeah. Uh, so I was at, at this game, and I would say I was more stressed during this game than I was at the UW-Oregon game. Yeah, so it was your fault is what you're saying. I don't know, because we won the UW-Oregon game. It's like, mm. can't be me. You know? must have been wearing <laughs> a different shirt or something. I don't know. Um, no, yeah, UW offense does not score a touchdown this game. Michael Penix goes oh. zero touchdowns, two interceptions, QBR oh. of 41.4. Kind of oh. pulls a kind of pulls a Caleb Williams from a couple weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> Um, 27 for 42 in terms of completions, uh, 275 yards, not his best showing. I think this is the first week he didn't have 300 yards of, of passing. And, uh, it has been easily his worst start as a Husky and arguably his worst start as a college football player. Like, mm -hmm. I don't remember him ever doing anything like this at Indiana. Like just so bad. Yeah. UW rushing goes for 13 total yards. Um, 19, if you don't include Penix and Polk kind of getting tackled in the backfield. Um, but yeah, lowest rushing yard total in a win since like 2005 or 2006. 2002, I think it was, in the mm -hmm. Apple Cup against Wazoo. Crazy. Um, so yeah, a couple things to talk about there. Yeah, just a wild game. More punts than you would ever imagine. Arizona State got out to a 7 nothing lead, so I guess it's worth something that we scored 15 straight points. But no, but it's not. But screw all that. <laughs> um yeah, we were just so bad. The defense was solid, only allowing seven. Yeah, that and was good. Obviously, coming up with the huge game deciding pick only six. Only touchdown of the game. Correct. 88 yard pick six by. Do you have the name of the DB? Oh, oh I got it right name? here. Uh, I think it was Ulafoshi. No. Michelle Powell. Powell, yes. Uh, 89 Mish. yard. Sorry. <laughs> the Mish. 89-yard uh, interception return. So that was another Arizona State drive that was looking really good. And it looked like they were going to score another touchdown and put the game away. Um, and that completely flipped the game on its head. Um, thank you very much, Mish. We all we all owe you one for that. You're a real homie. Um, but the story of the game is just what the flip was going on with the UW offense. It was... It was like a nightmare that we couldn't wake up from. This is the best offense in college football. This is an offense that's putting up huge numbers against an Oregon defense. What happened? Was there? Is it a voodoo doll situation? I actually, yeah, I think there was voodoo dolls in the Arizona sideline that were being stabbed constantly. Penix looked like he was being stabbed constantly. <laughs> the look on his face. Um, no, in all honesty, when I was watching the game, and sadly I was in my observe the game through a 
podcasting lens during certain moments where I was like, what the heck's going on? Um, instead of just enjoying touchdowns. <laughs> uh, I think what was happening was Arizona was showing blitz every single play and mm. disguising whether or not they were going to drop back or go or blitz, um, which gave Penix a very hard time, I think is what it was. It was like he it felt like he was making early decisions when they would drop back and he wasn't making decisions quick enough when they would blitz. Mm. Like they were just they had him guessing the entire game. Um, and it really showed like a flaw in Penix's ability to read and make those throws. He definitely hopefully something that he can address. Yeah. He definitely over had quite a few overthrows, um, but something to work on this week, I'm sure. And good. Happily, we get Stanford this week, which should give him time to reset and, uh, Get I thought Arizona State was going to give us time to reset. That's fair. You we almost had to cancel the pod forever because John said if we lose this game, we're done. But did you think I would have come on to talk about this and we would have <laughs> lost? Heck no! So bad, man. Penix, yeah, he was obviously flustered, making some very uncharacteristic plays. Um, when you look at our receivers, it actually wasn't horrible. McMillan did not play again, but Polk had another nice hundred-yard game. Adunze was obviously being focused in on, but he still had five for 82, 16 yards per catch. So we were still hitting him downfield. Um, it was clearly, I think there were two things. One, Penix was flustered. He was throwing a lot of bad balls, throwing a lot of ducks, losing a little confidence. Still threw for 275 yards. It was raining. I'll give him, I'll give him that. A little. That is fair. But this this is what speaks to it more than anything. Because when you look at the stats, it's just so weird. It's like, wait, our quarterback threw for 275 yards. Our top two receivers had to combine 180 yards. And we didn't score an offensive touchdown? Like, what what was happening? Why was this offense so bad? And then you're like, okay, obviously we couldn't run the ball. But then you look at the stats. Our two running backs had nine carries for 18 yards. It's two yards a carry. That's bad. That's horrible. It's really gross. Why did we only rush the ball nine times? Why did we completely abandon the run, particularly when Michael Penix was clearly, visually, struggling to process the defense? It was bewildering by the UW coaching staff. I think this game was more of a failure by the UW coaching staff than anything else. Once again, we went down 7-0 in the second quarter. There was the entire first quarter, and then going forward from there, it was always a one-possession game. There was never a time where it's like, no, we need to throw, throw, throw. The run was always an option. Why did this team completely abandon the run? I would say ASU goes up 7-0, and it's, our, our offense wasn't working in the first quarter. Obviously, we didn't score any points. We, weren't, we scored three in the second quarter um, on a field goal. I think what it is is our coaching staff was kind of treating it like the NFL does, where it's like, hey, we're down. We got to pass. And it just... It wasn't working. That was the reason we weren't scoring. So I agree. I think Arizona State, every time we tried to run the ball, like our main running back, Dylan Johnson. So just to break it down, we had nine carries. One of those carries was for 13 yards. <laughs> Dylan Johnson had the other eight. For six. He had a long of 13 and oh. ended up with six yards. So basically every single run for was negative. yardage. That's interesting. Um, so just... Yeah, we just couldn't get anything going on the running game. And I think they tried to get creative later with by giving the ball to Polk um, and having Penix try to like move around in the pocket a little bit more, um, which they, they ended up working and Penix getting some movement and moving and prolonging plays through that instead of standing in the pocket for too long, yeah. which was allowing those blitzes to get to him. Um, so those adjustments were made on the passing front, but the running plays are not elaborate enough, I think, is where we're at. Like, Every, every, every time eight is not enough. Eight is not enough to say like it clearly wasn't working. Let's get to fifteen and then tell me it's clearly not working. I'll, I'll allow you to say that. Um, yeah, every time they would run the ball, it was so obvious that they were going to run the ball. I mm. think was the problem there. Um, that and they blitzed every time, and you can't beat a blitz with a run. You that's, need to beat it with screens. Well, yeah, and that's they, not they, even necessarily they, true. Runs up the gut can be very effective against the blitz. So. Gen- generally, I, that was what I was wanting. They did it late in the game. They made they had a couple really nice screens, and the first time they did it really well, Polk had a fumble, and so I think they kind of went away from it in the yeah. second quarter. Um, but they had a really nice one late in the game to Adunze, yeah. and Polk I think had another two uh, later in the game as well. So I think they were figuring it out, but it just wasn't 
wasn't working with the run game and they needed to get that working. You're right. I really just thought more than anything, it was just like stubbornness from Penix and particularly from the coaching staff of just like, they were frustrated that it wasn't working against this crappy Arizona state team. And they're like, no, this is how we play. We're going to make it work. And they just kept trying to force the same things over and over and over again. Just didn't work until suddenly things were really an issue. And then they felt like they had to force it because that's how they play. I thought it was just stubborn. I thought it was really bad football. I thought it was poorly coached, poorly executed. Thanks, Polk and Adunze, for, for showing up. Everyone else that wasn't on the defense, I don't have much to say. Um, yeah. I'm yeah. fine with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's 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 all I have to say. Stanford coming up. Uh, I am expecting UW to win by 40. I think, I think everyone on that team is probably pretty pissed about you, the outcome of this game. You know what we haven't done in a while? We haven't broken down the line. Oh, the uh, line is minus 26 and a half. I, I like that. I like 26 and a half. Stanford? Stanford is bad. Stanford just lost 42 to 7 to UCLA. They lost 42 to 6 to Oregon. We're picking up a trend here. They lost 56 to 10 to USC. Um, they're hanging tough with some of the other, they're hung tough with Arizona and Colorado, but ranked Pac 12 teams are going to town on this Stanford team. 42 to 7 against Utah. It's amazing. They love giving up 42 to ranked teams. I, I, I would pencil that in. I'd pencil in 42 points for the Huskies. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried about Stanford, but I, we also, say that. I wasn't worried about Arizona State either. So. Yeah. Um, I do like the minus 26 and a half line. I think this is the week they turn it around, like you said, and uh, get that offense. They score, I think they might score 70 this week. Like, I think they're going to try and air it out and get that run game going. And just the line is going to be ferocious this week. I think it's going to be big. They better be. The games coming up are not going to be this forgiving. Yeah. This is this is it. We're, we're home stretch time here. We got those three really tough games coming up, and we have a shot at an undefeated regular season in the Pac-12. You can't mess around with this stuff. I was so disappointed in the game last week. Um, one thing to – a couple things to note, I guess, on that horrible Penix performance – uh, Caleb Williams has been awful the last couple of games. He was the favorite to win the Heisman. He has plummeted. He's no longer in the top 10. He's yep. like plus 6,000 to win the Heisman. Penix is still number two at plus 275. J.J. McCarthy with Michigan is number one. Um, I don't I don't think anybody's particularly impressed with J.J. McCarthy. He just hasn't done anything as ugly as what Penix just did. Um, and Michigan is undefeated. And so. cheating, yeah. <laughs> Probably cheating. They're definitely cheaters. Um, I really think put this game behind us. Penix is a real shot at the Heisman if he can finish the season strong. He can't do anything like what we just saw this week. But hey, if he just needed to get out of his system, that's fine. Good week to do it, I guess. But like, he's got a real shot at winning the Heisman on an undefeated UW team. And I don't want him to fuck that up for us. Screw him. I want an undefeated UW team with a Heisman winning quarterback. I don't think that's too much to ask. So, um, step it up, get your shit together. Yeah. I think this, yeah, like we, like we've said, this, this week is Penix's week to assert himself back into that Heisman conversation and take over that number one spot, to be honest. Um, do you want to talk about another person who was talked about in the Heisman conversation and has since proceeded to fall off a cliff? Who would that be? Shador Sanders in Colorado. <laughs> oh, oh, Shador, that's right. Yeah, that's right. We did want to talk about Colorado. I, You know, we just wanted to take a moment to just have like a moratorium for the season that was Colorado football. Yeah. Boy, was it exciting for like a game and a half. Um, it's weird to look back on. It almost feels surreal. Yeah, they've just been getting stomped. Um, They're not good. I, they were lucky that they beat TCU that first week, but I just don't think Colorado's good. Yeah, they. I don't think they're good either. Um, yeah, their last since that Colorado State game, everyone watched. They got stomped by Oregon, lost a tight one to USC, who we realized isn't who we thought they were. They pulled one out against Arizona State. They actually did better than we did against Arizona State. So, <laughs> and then got stomped by. Or I shouldn't say that they lost a close one to Stanford. Too. They've been, you know, they've been losing close their last three games, but they have lost three straight games. They're losing close to teams who are bad. <laughs> that is that is very fair. Um, yeah, it was it was funny. I think we all knew this was going to happen to Colorado. You know, 
like people said, yeah, if they won weeks ago three games in the Pac-12, that'd be a victory for Dion. But people got pretty hyped, and no, no, they're pretty bad. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they can do against UCLA, um, and then they go up against the behemoth that is Oregon State. Um, Oregon State's going to be a top ten team by the end of the season. They're number eleven now. I know. Um, that game is going to be huge. Gonna, I'm, I'm going to try to go to that game. It's going to be UW, Oregon, Oregon State in the top 10. I think that's going to be crazy. Pretty amazing. Can we just have those three in the playoff? How can we make that happen? Um, but yeah, sorry, Colorado. Sorry, Shadur. Better luck in the NFL. Uh, I do think it's pretty amazing. I haven't done this math in advance. Maybe you can help me out. Uh, there are still five one-loss teams in the Pac-12. Uh, Washington, USC, or sorry, zero loss, obviously, for Washington. but So four one-loss teams and one undefeated team. USC, Oregon, Oregon State, Utah. Now, USC lost to Utah. Oregon State lost to Washington State, so that's outside of the ranked teams. Who did Utah lose to? Um, And then, obviously, Oregon lost to us. I think it was was USC lost to Utah. Uh, Utah, I think... Oh, Utah lost to Oregon State. I was going to say Oregon State. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so... Out of those teams, only Oregon State lost to a team that is currently outside of uh, the top 25. Um, but they have the best chance to be in the top 10 because they could keep beating those teams. <laughs> correct. You're correct. Yeah, they still have, they have a couple of huge games coming up. Man, Pac-12 football is exciting right now. Um, go. Who, who are we going this week? Who are we going? I mean, we have to say go dogs because they're going to need it, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm, you know, I, yeah, I think I'm going with go squids. I don't think the dogs need it this week. Let's go squids. That's fair. Um, well, for John Carey, I am Tyler Cartwright, and this has been Sound Up Seattle. If you enjoyed this pod, episode of the pod, feel free to give us a follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can find Sound Up Seattle on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram, all at Sound Up Seattle, uh, all lowercase, all one word. You can email us at soundupseattle at gmail.com. You can find me, Tyler, at tycart50, everywhere that's important. And you can find John. God, this man is grinding at Elden Ring. He's He, he can't be stopped. I am the Lord. It's not even fun anymore. I'm, I'm better than the game. It sucks. I will say, I went to bed last night, and he was playing Elden Ring, and I woke up this morning, and he was playing Elden Ring. So I don't know if he's sleeping. Um, I but slept in days. <laughs> Hopefully your work is unaffected. <laughs> Quality is increased, I assure you. Um, yeah, hey, for me, go dogs. Go squids, baby. <laughs>